0: We're going to be looking at Peter. Uh, there's five weeks leading up to Easter. We're going to, be, we're going to be looking at those five chapters. Now, I want to tell you on the front end, before I read a text, and then we're going to pray, actually, and then we'll dive in. But I just want to tell you on the front end, uh, sometimes when we go through a book of the Bible, I read, like, the whole chapter or something, then I preach on it or something like that. I'm going to do First Peter, I think, a little bit different. Like, today, I'm going to only have us read... Uh, a few verses. but then next week I'm going to preach chapter two. So there's going to be more of chapter one that I don't get to today uh, that I'm not going to even talk about, but there's more in there. and so what i'm what I'm telling you is that I'd encourage you and I kind of hope you would actually be in First Peter as well. Uh, walking through this as we walk through this series. And I'm excited about the fact that our Bible reading plan is looking at John, which is one guy and his take. And then we're also looking at Peter. And we're going to be kind of looking at these two guys, you know, Peter and John. These are pretty close to, you know, to Jesus kind of disciples. So what do they have to say to us as we walk through this season of Lent, these kind of days leading up to Easter, what's Jesus wanting to speak to us? Okay? So let me read this, and then um, we'll pray, and then I'll start kind of getting us into it a little bit. Okay? No, actually, I'm not praying, am I? Madeline, you're praying, or you're reading. Get up here. What are you doing sitting over there? Oh my gosh, girl, I totally forgot. I actually asked Madeline if she would do the reading for me this morning,
1: and I am so sorry
0: that I just forgot that. It's all you, girl.
1: Okay, is this on? No?
0: Let's see it. That's okay. Here, let's see. No, it's okay. Let me see. this. What a piece of junk. Test one, two, three, four. That's
1: all you. Okay. Awesome. okay. Um, Peter, an Cy- apostle of Jesus Christ to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls.
0: Hashtag boom. That a girl. Let's pray. Lord, we, do. we come to you now and we ask that you would, as Madeline read that, uh, that you would speak to our hearts, God. God, that you would come and, and uh, yeah, don't just speak to our ears, but, God, speak to the deep places of our heart. And we entrust our lives to you, Lord. We entrust you to be that good shepherd who is able to shepherd our very souls. And so come now and, and say what you want to say to us. Help me, God, to simply share what needs to be shared, really not a word more and not a word less. Open us up, God. Do some heart surgery this morning on us. Steer us, direct us as a community, and as individuals, Lord, stir us up, stir us up in Jesus' name. Amen uh, peter this this um this scripture text on uh, this uh, the the book of Peter in the Bible is probably one of the is probably one of the books in the Bible, at least in the New Testament, that speaks clearer to suffering than any other book in the Bible. In the New Testament is probably what I would say. Suffering is all over 1 Peter. The text you just heard Madeline say is, the various trials that we experience. And there's a lot of different trials that we might experience in this life, right? And those various trials, just by nature of it being a trial, creates and causes a kind of suffering that we have to undergo. And so, this really is a, a, a book of the Bible that is going to become, could become really helpful for those who are going through trials and suffering. And my thought is, is that every one of us in this room, at some level, is going through something. And that's where I love that phrase, various trials. Now, we might be going through cancer. We might be going through, uh, you know, having no money in the bank. You know, some some big trials. But it also might be relational trials. Or it might be all sorts of different ways in which we might kind of unpack this word, various trials. Peter's writing in this book, in this letter, he's writing to uh, the church, who's going through a bunch of trials. And they're facing struggles all over the place. They're facing struggles as the gospel is shape, shaping them and transforming their hearts. Now as these new creatures, as these, new, these people that have the gospel, as they begin to rub up against the government, as they begin to rub up against in their marriages, as they begin to rub up against um, the, the workforce and the people that they're experiencing on a daily basis, it's going to cause sufferings and it's going to cause various trials. And I'm going to unpack that a little bit for us. But first I want you to see, I got a I uh, uh, slide up here, throw this next slide up, of just some places in First Peter. If you grab your phone, you might want to take a picture of this and go look at this later. Some places, nobody's taking out their phone. That's okay, that's great. It's it's some places in here where where suffering is talked about. And really my main point here is I want you to understand that in every chapter, suffering gets talked about at some level. That's what I really want you to see. So in chapter 1, verse 11, uh, we see Christ's suffering. So we actually are going to learn here that Jesus suffered. Um, Chapter 2, verse 19, we're going to see that there's The suffering of the unjustly, suffering unjustly. So there's going to be times where we suffer and it's not good. It wasn't supposed to be that way, but we still have to suffer it. Chapter 221, Christ suffered. So we should recognize we're going to end up having to suffer as well as we follow the master. Chapter 3, verse 17, God's will in suffering. There's some stuff in that verse. Learning from Christ's suffering. Don't be surprised by suffering. Rejoice in suffering. There's going to be times we're insulted for Christ's sake. What does it look like to entrust our lives to suffering? Or to God in the midst of suffering? Uh, there's other people who are suffering and. Maybe a word of encouragement in chapter 5 that reminds us we're not the only ones who are going through this. But my point is simply, suffering is all, suffering is all over the place in 1 Peter. There's all sorts of different places where suffering is talked about. And we experience suffering on a regular basis, don't we? I mean, as you've allowed me into some of your lives, I know that some of you are really going through some stuff right now. Like you're really in the middle of the various trials. You're experiencing it. And the question that I kind of wanted to wrestle with on the front end of this series is why? And to me, I had to read through 1 Peter to kind of get a sense of where this is going. So this isn't so much just today. This is kind of the whole series what I'm about to say. But why do we suffer? And, and Peter seems to bring out three or four reasons for why we suffer. One that I just want to highlight is that he talks about, and he actually kicks this off in these first verses in chapter one. The reality is, is you and I as followers of Jesus have had an old self. We, we have this old self to us, right? This self that's uh, a sinner, in need of grace and mercy, a sinner in need of salvation and forgiveness. We have this old self. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, we also have this new self, this new birth that's been given. He's caused us to be born again, in verse three it says. And as that old self and that new self kind of are in tension with each other, that alone is going to cause various trials. Uh, Paul says in, for example, this is Paul, a different guy in the Bible. Paul says in Romans chapter seven, he says, I do the things I don't wanna do and I don't do the things I do wanna do, right? Have you ever experienced that? I think that's one of the most real verses in the Bible where when I read that, I'm like, boom, that is me. Sometimes I do what I don't wanna do and I don't do the stuff that I know I should do and what that is is that's that oldness in us and that newness in us and it's just kind of intention and and so as an example maybe you struggled with anger before you became a follower of Jesus and you just struggled with anger and then you you had your eyes opened to the to the to the reality of your sin and your brokenness and you 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 separated yourself from the God of the universe, but he has drawn near to you and he has saved you through his death and resurrection. And so you become a born again person. You become a new creature. Well, as a new creature, you might still struggle with anger. Because what? Well, we still might have. See, there's this saint sinnerness to us, and so I, as a follower of Jesus now, see, a lot of times the world thinks, "Oh, you just think you're so great. you you know, you just think you're uh, so perfect and stuff." Well, no, I still struggle with sin too, and so I might still struggle with anger even after I've become a follower of Jesus, right? And now. I still might, let's just say, and just play this out with me a little bit here. I still might get angry with a a friend or something like that in an unrighteous way. And now my friend gets angry with me or something. And now there's tension. My point is simply this. I could end up creating a trial, a various trial of suffering because now I got to suffer this kind of broken relationship that I have with my friend simply because of this tension that I have between my old self and my new self. Are you following me? The two people that are, I'm so thankful for you. Just a little bit of help is so good. So Peter here is going to bring this out. Peter's going to bring this idea of a new creation, a new creature, a born again. You've been born again. You've got new life as a follower of Jesus. And there's going to be some tension there because that old self, the old flesh is there as well. So that's one thing that we're going to be the reason for why suffering might kind of come up. It might come out of our own heart. A second thing that Paul's going to bring out, now, not necess- I'm, I'm kind of taking his thoughts and lumping it into one here, but the idea of the world or our culture and he kind of breaks it down. Peter's going to break this down, looking at our government and the way in which I interact, kind of in a in a in a way with my government. He's going to take it then to the kind of next level of of, of what this is going to look like within the context of um, marriage. And I mean, some of you know this exactly what I'm talking about because maybe uh, somebody in your in in your in your in your marriage, maybe somebody's a follower of Jesus and maybe somebody isn't, right? And there can be tension, there can be various trials of suffering that emerge from that, right? And so we see this kind of maybe from, from our, in our marriage, um, we start to see this maybe, um, let me just make sure I'm getting it here because I'm, I'm thinking, ex- I want my, th- at work, and I'd say actually I think he talks about work kind of before marriage, um, so the place where you work, so your, your boss says something like, hey, you need to start using these kinds of pronouns or something like that. Some of you have told me this kind of stuff has happened. And so you now have to work through the various trials that might emerge as you kind of uh, attempt to live out what God might be calling you to, how, how to live. Do you, are you following me here? The various trials that might kind of emerge as, we, as, as followers of Jesus live in this world. Actually, it's interesting. He even touches on the various trials that might emerge in the context of the church. The Church here, as, as Peter is writing to this church, they've got people who are coming out of Judaism. He's got people who have no context of the gospel at all or anything about the Messiah. He's dealing with people who've been living their own life. He's dealing with all sorts of people who now, now as they come together as sinners in the church... There's sometimes various trials that emerge as we now work and operate as the family of God. Why does some of this suffering come to us? Well, some of it comes from from, um, our own heart. Some of it comes from outside of ourselves to us. I would kind of use the term the world and our culture. Other people might bring suffering to us And then the last one, it's actually interesting, in in chapter 5, he actually specifically says the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And so why might suffering be coming? My point simply here to set up this series is that suffering might be coming from a lot of different places. You can't always just be like, the devil did it. Well, maybe you're just a jerk and you've been breaking relationships all over, and now you're experiencing nobody liking you or something like that, and that's a various trial that you're having to suffer. We have to, to kind of, I think one of the, I think one of the most important things we can think about today and this would be for somebody in the room who's a follower of Jesus, but it could also be for somebody who's not, is to take an honest assessment of the world and ask yourself, is everything right or not? And why do you come to the conclusion that you come to? It's interesting, C.S. Lewis in his uh, book, Mere Christianity, on page eight, this is what he says. I don't have this up on the screen, so just watch me here. He says this, two points he says I want to make. First, that human beings all over the world have this curious idea that they ought to behave in a certain way and cannot really get rid of it. Secondly, that they do not, in fact, believe in that way. They know the law of nature, they break it. And then he says this, these two facts are the foundation of all clear thinking about ourselves and the universe that we live in. Actually looking around and saying something like, something doesn't seem right. That's actually profound. And I don't want you to miss that. Because a lot of what our secular Understanding and how our secular kind of uh, culture would kind of put on us is that things like uh, things like randomness or violence or the, the natural progression of things getting better by by the the strong eating the weak and those kinds of things that actually doesn't make sense as you then look at the world and if you're if you're honest about it and say it doesn't seem right. Why are you coming to that conclusion? See, from a biblical standpoint, we, we would say that as we're, as we're, as we're honest about our, our world, we would say, yeah, it doesn't feel right. And we experience this not rightness in a lot of different trials, which cause suffering. Ultimately, what I wanted to make sure you understood today is I'm not talking about suffering simply as I have cancer and five more you know weeks to live. That is suffering. That is a various trial. But it's, it also, is, Peter's not just talking about that. He's talking about a whole spectrum of different things that we might be suffering, which would make it so that everybody in the room today can really relate to the next five weeks of preaching. That's what I'm trying to get you understand. That's all. I maybe could have said that in two minutes instead of. I don't know. Had to say what I got to say. But here's the deal we're struggling with people getting divorced. We might be getting a divorce. It doesn't feel right. Our finances are all in disarray. It doesn't feel right. Something's wrong. I just was told that I have this particular disease. It does not That doesn't seem right. It seems something's not right. I have this relationship with this person that I can't figure out how to break through with. Something seems wrong, something seems amiss. Why is that? What's Peter gonna tell us in the midst of some of this kind of thinking? See, that's really what we're gonna be after is, well, how do we live in a world that's telling us uh, to go a certain direction and to think a certain way and how do we live in a world that there seems to be so much brokenness when Jesus is telling us to maybe go this way and to live in this direction? You might be struggling with uh, the, the, the trial of aging parents You might be struggling with the trial of a rebellious child. You might be struggling with the trial of death. Maybe it's not even death of somebody soon. Maybe it's death from somebody five years ago and you continue to struggle with that trial. You might be struggling with the trial of chronic pain. Some of you I know just are constantly in pain. Holy cow, I can't even imagine some of the trials as you've allowed me to get a picture of your life and get into it. Some of you are going through some incredibly challenging things. What does God have to say to us? What does God have to say to us in these various trials? Now, that's kind of the setup to the series. I wanna just bring a really short kind of word to today. And that's simply by looking at Verses three through six. So let me just show, uh, at first, just chapter one, verse three. If you got your Bible, you can look at it there. What are, as for these various trials, what are some things we need to keep in mind as followers of Jesus? This is how Peter kicks off the whole letter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. Into what? A living hope. Holy cow. I could preach just that. A living hope. He's caused us to be born again. Some of you are so nervous about, ah, am I doing it right? I don't know if I. Man, just stop today and bask in the fact that God has caused you to be born again. He has gifted you with that, He's birthed you. Through the the word of the gospel that's come to you and the Holy Spirit opening your heart up to seeing Jesus' death on the cross for your forgiveness and seeing his resurrection to defeat even death itself as a gift that that you just are awakened to. And when you get to see that and experience that for the first time, holy cow. But some of you needed to to be just reminded of that today. That God has caused you to be born again into what? A living hope. A hope that's living. And I love that so much because what is that livingness? I mean, there's so many different facets to that, but ultimately it's Christ. I mean, it's going to be Jesus himself who was dead, but now he's alive. There's our hope. And is he dead? No, he's alive. Yeah. He's alive. He's caused us to be born again into a living hope. Man, let that today. And here's the deal. This is a gift that he offers to each of us. Every single person. Maybe today you're watching online and and you're watching it on Tuesday night at 10 o'clock and you're thinking about this and thinking, yeah, but not for me. No, it is. It's for you too. It's for all of us sinners. Sinners. It's for all of us broken people. He wants to bring you that word of salvation, that word that He has come and loves you and has forgiven you. Yeah, what a blessing. And he just gives us a ton of gifts on the front end here, and I want you to make sure you don't miss that. God has provided you a new birth. Look at verse 4. To an inheritance. He's going to give you this. What is he going to give you? God giving you an inheritance that is imperishable, holy smokes, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. God is keeping for you. That's the verb there. The the verb in that sentence in the Greek is the, the word kept. He's keeping that. He's keeping for you an inheritance. Holy smokes. I don't even know how to preach that other than just kind of say it and pray the Holy Spirit comes and talks to you what he needs to tell you on that. God not only causes us to be born again, but he actually gives to you and is keeping for you an inheritance. There's something about the future there's something to come, and that something to come is going to play a role in the way we deal with suffering. And he's going to unpack some of that as we walk through 1 Peter. It's going to become probably, this is my guess as I start to think about this and start to walk through, my guess is Peter is starting to cue us up that, that looking simply at the suffering might not be what we're just supposed to focus our attention on. There might be something to come that he's keeping for us. There's a livingness to the, the hope we have I didn't even know how to say some of this. There's, it's, there's so much giftedness here on the front, and it's silly. And he, and he says, I'm keeping for you an inheritance. Who's keeping it? Do I, I got to try to make the inheritance happen? Do I got to really work? No. He is keeping it for you, and it's unfading. I mean, there's so many adjectives then that come out. Undefiled, imperishable. That's the hope we have. An inheritance and something to come. We're going to have to unpack this a little bit more in the next coming weeks. Chapter uh, 1, verse 5. Who, by God's power, are being guarded. There's the next verb. I've been preaching. I'm just kind of preaching the verbs today. Who are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Oh my gosh. You are being guarded. What a blessing. Who by God's power, what's guarding you? God's power. The dunamis. Right? The dynamite. The power of God is guarding you through faith. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. There's another picture of a future that we're going to have to keep our eyes on as we go through suffering and the various trials we experience. What's guarding you today? You know, this morning, I actually was preaching at another church. That I, one of my friends was being installed as the senior pastor at a congregation and I was over there and there's a time where there's a little laying on of hands from other pastors and stuff. And I was thinking, oh gosh, I don't even know what to tell them. You know, John three sixteen for God's love of the world. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't know what to say, you know, for a little verse or something over them. And so what I did is I just shared with him this morning when I was uh, re- eating my, my toast for breakfast, uh, I was reading Psalm 5 because today is the fifth day of the month. And I was reading Psalm 5 and I just read over him this word from chapter 5, verse 12 of Psalms. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. Well, and he doesn't bless the righteous like those who have their lives all figured out and perfect. No, it, the righteousness we have in the Messiah, in Jesus, his righteousness. So we do know then what he's going to say next because those who have Jesus are going to get what he's going to say. For the, you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield, and I read that over him today, and I said, Pastor Ted, may you receive that this morning. My point is this, he guards us, as with a shield over us. Man, I don't know who needs to hear that today. My guess is the person who doesn't feel like anybody's watching out for them. They feel like they're alone. They feel like they're going through their suffering, they're going through their various trial, and they're doing it alone. And what I want you to hear today is that God himself is guarding you through faith. The power of God. The devil, sin, death, the spiritual forces of evil, they don't even stand a chance. They don't even stand a chance. Being guarded. Hear that today. Know that to be true for you. And then this is the first time it shifts to something you're supposed to do. All these verbs, the subject has been God. Sorry if you're a history major and have no idea what I'm talking about. Verbs, subjects. You're just like, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't do that one. I didn't do that class. But all of the verbs that I've been saying are God doing the work, God doing the verbs. This is the first verb that comes to us, and it happens in chapter 6. In this, you, okay, what's it going to be? What's the word he's going to have us do? We rejoice. And then there's another verb that comes up. As we grieve, we're going to have to grieve. I think that is, right? Oh, for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. So in your grieving, in your suffering of the various trials you go through, we are called to rejoice. In what? In this. What are we rejoicing in? We're rejoicing back to all the verbs that God does. We go back and we just constantly remind ourselves. So as the suffering comes, whatever reason it might be coming as the various trials we undergo, we're undergoing, what God is calling us to is to rejoice in what? In this other stuff that he's caused us to be born again. To a living hope that he's guarding guarding you through his very power. You know, suffering will have limits that God sets, The suffering can only get so bad. I know it feels like it's the worst it can get. The reality is there are limits that God will set to your suffering. That's a blessing. That's a gift. Hear that today. Know that I know you're feeling like it's going to spin out of control and even God himself won't be in control. That's just not true. And I'm not diminishing what you're going through. I'm not saying it's not really hard. I'm not saying it's not terrible. I'm not saying it's not unjust. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying there will be limits. He's going to guard you with his very power. To an inheritance kept in heaven for you. He's keeping that for you. Nothing's going to take that out of God's hand. Nothing's going to take that out of God's hand. And so we can actually. This is going to be crazy uh, to say this. But it's really, it's the only worldview that can say it. And that's that we actually, there's a way, and we're going to learn about this over the next couple weeks, there's a way to even rejoice in our suffering. That's incredible. Our world will not offer you anything like that. It can't. It it actually can't offer you that. Only Jesus can offer you that today. And He does. And we can begin to even learn to rejoice in our sufferings. Not because we're gonna focus on ourselves, not because we're gonna focus on the suffering, but because we're gonna focus on the work and activity of God. Uh, I I've used this illustration before and I don't know why I'm even using it now, just as a little bit of a story, but I remember friends of ours when her husband was was killed, hearing the story of her hearing that that night that her husband had just died and just walking through the story of the gospel for hours that night, just reminding herself, God, you are good. Here's all the activity of God, activity of God, activity of God, activity of God. He died for me. He loves me. He saves me. There's an inheritance. There's that, 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 Constantly going back to that. See, that's what we're called to. And then, even in suffering, we can rejoice, even as we're crying and bawling and all that kind of stuff. Because it really does hurt. None of this is, is going to diminish suffering. And it's pain. But there is hope, a living hope. Because Jesus himself, God, suffered. He suffered for you and for me. He suffered. He gets exactly what this is all about. And he's working it all out. So as we walk through First Peter, we're going to keep our eyes on Jesus. We're going to learn about suffering. We're going to learn about his promises that he gives to us. We're going to learn what it looks like to step into a world that's super broken. As we look at it, we're like, this is not the way this is supposed to be. What a great, honest assessment of our world. And we're going to learn what it looks like to walk in that. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this time to get to share you with your people. Lord, I I'm just, I am just—I know there's so much brokenness and suffering in this room today. And my heart breaks and I join in the mourning and the suffering with people. And we want to walk with each other in that suffering, God. And I just pray today that you would, your spirit would fall afresh upon us. You would strengthen those who are going through the unfathomable, Lord. Spirit of the living God, come and remind them of, of the points of the message today. Stir us up to the things you'd be calling us forward into, especially as we start dealing with some of the suffering we're dealing with, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that we are not alone, that you are with us, you love us, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.